The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Betsy Stevenson, University of Michigan Professor of Economics and Public Policy, joins us now. She's also a Bloomberg Opinion columnist. Betsy, great to see you. Thank you for joining us. Um, can we take a victory lap? Has inflation been beaten? Have we slain the dragon? Uh, whether you take that victory lap or not, I think is uh, about how superstitious you are. Uh, I'm always a little nervous to take victory laps, but I can certainly say that it's remarkable what's been achieved. And I think we can say using the past tense, been achieved. I mean, you just said six months, core PCE running below the Fed's target. Nobody was predicting that a year ago. 85% of economists were predicting a year ago that we would have had a recession this year. We would have had to have high unemployment, declining economic growth in order to bring inflation down, or we would have had ongoing uh, inflation at rates well above the Fed's target. Instead, we got the absolute sweet spot of ongoing economic growth and inflation moderating to the Fed's target. So it's certainly a time for celebration, uh, even if you might be a little nervous to take that victory lap. Well, the question is, does it lead to a stronger case for rate cuts into next year and how many? You know, that's obviously what's on everybody's mind is should the Fed start cutting rates. Um, I've always thought that the Fed will, that Fed needed to raise rates and hold them and hold them longer than people expect them to hold them. They're not seeing any signs of a labor market faltering, of an economy cooling. So I don't think there's a lot of pressure for them to raise rates. And I think they absolutely, I'm sorry, to cut rates right now. And I think that what they absolutely see is a pressure to make sure that they have really put all the nails in the coffin yeah. of inflation above their target. So I think they're going to be more cautious than people expect. But if we continue in the direction we're going, we're obviously going to see rate cuts uh, in 2024. Betsy, is growth the bigger threat in 24 than inflation, therefore? You know, the thing is, both of them are doing so well. I don't know that I want to put probability weights on which thing is going to cause us a problem. I think it's really going to be related to what kinds of shocks do we face in the new year. There are lots of things that happen. They're just difficult to predict what will happen in terms of global political conflict that obviously can uh, you know, reverberate through all sorts of uh, economies, not just the United States. What's going to happen to economies around the globe that we trade with and how might that affect the United States? What might happen to supply chains that affect whether we're able to meet demand. I think there's a lot of unknowns. They could risk growth. They could risk inflation. But right now, we're really in a sweet spot with, I think, pretty strong economic growth and, uh, and, and inflation coming down. You know, there's a real question here that we're going to have to dig into, which is, was potential GDP higher than other than the Fed and many economists thought? Because how were we able to grow 
at a rate that's so far above what people thought was above potential while bringing prices down. And for me, there's only one answer to that, which is our potential was greater than people anticipated. Speaking of what people are anticipating, when you think about the risks to inflation moving forward, there are a lot of questions about wage inflation moving forward. Where are the biggest risks? Um, obviously, inflation expectations is always uh, a risk, but we've seen inflation expectations moderate and we haven't seen them really take off. Um, there is issues around you know, wage growth, but I think that we want to keep two things in mind. You know, when inflation goes up, what a lot of people don't like to realize is that that means somebody's income is going up. So on average, incomes are going up when prices are going up. Um, there's a difference between the average wage level going up and the wage distribution shifting. So we can see a lot of wage growth at the bottom, in the middle, and not and have that offset by slower wage growth at the top. That's about inequality, and that doesn't have anything to do with inflation. So when we're looking at wage growth, we have to be really cautious in interpreting what it means for inflation. Is this a relative yep. change about inequality, or is this really ongoing inflation? But there's certainly some workers out there lobbying for higher wages, and I think some of them are going to get them. Betsy, does the Fed have to cut because the federal government simply can't afford the, the, the bill that it's now facing as a result of these higher rates? Are we now in a scenario where Jay Powell needs to listen to Treasury Secretary Yellen and fiscal dominance is now increasingly becoming the reality? I think that that's a, a pretty messy game uh, for the Fed to be playing. I don't think that they cut rates to make it easier for the government to borrow. Uh, I think higher rates has certainly been a burden on government borrowing. Um, but you know, I, the, the right answer to that is not the Fed cutting rates to help fiscal res responsibility. It's Congress raising taxes in order to bring more revenue in. And, and you know, I can imagine a lot of listeners bristling, why would we raise taxes? We have to understand our revenue is incredibly low and has been low since those 2017 tax cuts. Nobody, we, we can't, we literally can't get spending as low as our revenue is right now. We have to raise revenue. These Bush tax cuts, uh, sorry, Bush, uh, these Trump tax cuts are going to be expiring in 2025. And I think we need to have a really hard look at our tax system to figure out how we have more sustainable revenue. That's the answer to fiscal responsibility, not Fed policy. Well, it's interesting because if you think about those kind of fiscal constraints moving into even 2025, as you're saying, election year next year, there's a lot of focus on short-term rates. But how much control is there on the long term? There's an extraordinary amount of issuance coming up. There's a lot of concern about bank balance sheets tightening into next year. It's hard to believe that you can get away with 2024 without a hiccup. Uh, you know, I, I, you're sort of right. It's hard to believe. It was hard to believe we got through 2023 with such a strong economy. Um, I think what it, it relies on is being very nimble and being very data dependent um, and being very cautious in making moves slowly and deliberately and communicating them well. The Fed has, I mean, this is why I think when we look back, the history books is gonna write this as the most successful time for Fed policy that we've had yeah. in, you know, maybe in history because they nailed all of those factors. That's what they're gonna have to nail in 2024 to prevent the kind of hiccups okay. that you're worried about. But Betsy, though, you talk about the history books. You look at the history books. 
You look at the 70s. Inflation went up, it came down, we thought we'd done it, and then it reaccelerated. Are we, I, what are the chances of that happening again here? I, I'm going to try and nail you down here. Can we ignore that historical precursor to what we're watching here now? Do you think this time is different? And if so, why? I think this time is different. I think we should never ignore our history. It's the only pieces of information we have. But equally, it's a mistake to take our history and think that that forecasts our future. Uh, so... You know, what is really different here is we don't have the kind of inflation indexation through widespread union contracts that we had in the 1970s. So that was one of the reasons in the 70s we worried so much about that link between a wage growth and inflation. You know, the UAW didn't even have a cost of living adjustment in their contract. They obviously have that now. Uh, but we're, we're also a country with 6% of the private sector unionized. They're not driving anything here in terms of, of wage inflation linkages. I think that's very different. I think inflation expectations uh, are very different. But equally, you know, I started this by saying the Fed will keep rates higher for longer than most people anticipate. And that's because they don't want to get caught out by saying, oh, look, we did it too quickly, bringing rates down too quickly and having to pull back again, you know, two, three, four months later. So I do think you're going to see a very conservative Fed uh, in terms of making decisions about when it's going to cut rates. And I think that might catch people a little bit by surprise. Certainly a timely conversation, and that chorus is getting louder. Our thanks to Professor Brett C. Stevenson from the University of Michigan. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.